Welcome to Scale School, my friends. I'm Dan Bolton, and my purpose here is simple. I wanna help you increase the scalability of your coaching or consulting business so as it gets bigger, life gets better. Here we will be talking everything from getting clients, keeping clients, teams, leadership, but most importantly, making scaling simple and fun again. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you get a ton out of today's episode. So Jay, we'll start with you, brother. All right. So I tested a new way to get people's attention, which was pretty much for us, the free course model, um, which is like, hey, um, say, hey, if you like this free course, like, and then like comment below after like mm -hmm. going through their pain points. And I was curious, because I know you said that worked very well for you, because before what we mainly did is like uh, direct offers. So we didn't really like do lead magnets. We just said, if you want to learn more, then DM us uh, the keyword. And then we literally go straight from there and book in the call. Mm -hmm. But uh, with that post that had went viral on Facebook, I let, I realized that like I'm talking to these people and I like I start off by sending them the free course. And then once I send them the free course, like I see that they'll see it. But then like I seem like the response rate is like very low. So I was wondering like what are some things how do you usually go about it when you like send people free course? Um and yep. do you expect like and what's your like percentage you expect to actually reply back? Like do you have like a 10% like one out of or mm -hmm. what? so what's that what does that first message consist of so they comment they want it then you send them a message what's that first message uh the first message is literally this right here let me pull it up it says like hey how's it going name here's a link to the free course breaking out how i use instagram to automate my my client acquisition Perfect. And then i send, and then i send them the link to the free course mm -hmm. and then after that i just say um i said uh what's got you interested in this new method to help you get more clients for your course slash coaching program yeah cool so a couple of points here. So the first thing is I would ask for people's email right out. So, so the reason we do that is first to be add people to the email list, which is great because that's another method we're going to follow up with them on. And so um, I just had uh, my virtual assistant build out a custom nurture sequence every time we, we send something out. It's always really straightforward. It's like that first email is just like, here's the thing. Uh, and then just making sure the next email is just making sure you saw the thing right? And then adding them into the email broadcast after that. So that's the first piece. Second thing is Facebook doesn't like when we send links first outright. What happens is if you imagine what spammers do, like if I open my spam folder, it's like girls sending me cam links and crap like that, right? And so, by the way, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. It's not like I'm a special snowflake getting, getting links from girls. Uh, it's just always weird spammy stuff. And so Facebook limits that, right? Because obviously if you're sending links to strangers, it's a, it's a peculiar behavior to engage in on Facebook. So asking that question firstly builds your email list and secondly, gets you out of the Facebook's bad books because now you're going to send a link to people who have already responded to a message. So first message is um, just saw your comment about free course. Uh, what's your best email? They respond back with the email. You go, fantastic. It should be coming over shortly. By the way, here's also the direct link. And then I found it's better to ask a specific question rather than an open question. Open questions are really hard to answer. Like if you say, how are you? How's business, right? It's like, where do we start? So when we were sending out trainings, if we think about like the mini course that we did really well with for years, the appointment setters playbook, the, the question was not, how are you currently getting clients or what kind of clients do you coach? It was really simple. Are you currently look, working with an appointment center or are you looking to hire one? So something really specific to the mini course that had like a almost yes or no answer. Now, what's really cool about this is firstly, you've already got the email, so they've already responded. 
So they're much more open to conversation. And we found that with the email question, basically everyone responded because the chances are, if you've requested a training, you're going to want the training. So there'll be some no responses, but majority of people respond to the email question. You send the email through, like you say, perfect, it's going to come over. And then you also send a direct link and then you go into a question related to the training. So what is the mini course that you are giving away? Uh, so, the, so the mini course that I'm giving, so I actually did a webinar uh, with Les Brown um, when we launched uh, a course that we launched together. Um, and that's pretty much like the free mini course. It's like that webinar, like broken down yep. um, in pieces. Um, yeah, cool. and that's pretty much what that is. That's amazing. So the two questions that, I, that come to mind that I would test is the first question you can ask is what kind of clients do you work with? Second question is, are you just looking to launch a coaching program or are you already working with clients? Okay. And then from there, then you can obviously transition more towards like your chat flow. And this is where I want to encourage you to be a scientist, right? To test things. It's not about this, this works or doesn't work. People respond to messages all day. It's just about finding the flow that makes the most sense from the opening of the conversation. And so what kind of clients do you work with might smash it out of the park for you? Maybe the better question is, are you looking to launch a coaching program or are you already working with clients? It might be a mix of the two, but I really want you to think about when you start a conversation, how I think about it is it's shallow to deep right? Shallow to deep. And it's easy to answer. Like, let me just simplify this for a second. Here's my, there we go. Easiest to answer, hardest to answer. And so what you want to do is have a flow where you're moving people through, right? Easiest to answer. Are you a coach? Are you currently working with people? Then it might be like, what kind of clients are you working with? So like an example for us, if I, if I send you through our uh, chat flow that we used to use, right? It was that, that first question, right? Are you already working with clients? Are you looking to launch something? Second question would be like, what's your main offer and price point? Third question would be like, what's your revenue goal with that offer over the next six months? Fourth question would be, how far are you from that right now? Right? So it's like, where do you want to get to? Great, 50K a month, amazing, great goal, totally doable. How far are you from that right now? What do you feel like you need the most to be able to get there? Next question would be like, would you like some help with that? They're going to come back with like, what do you mean by that? Or yes, I would like some help. And then you go, great. What we could do is we could jump on a call. Now that's literally our chat flow. Again, thinking from shallow to deep, easiest to answer, hardest to answer. You need to earn the right to be replied to. You do that through asking easy to answer questions to begin with, moving towards harder to answer questions, right? Like how much money do you have or how much money are you making? How much money do you want to make? Do you need help? Would you like to jump on a call? So I would test those kind of flows and really be like the testing point outside of you getting your script right is the starting part. What's what's the opener? And the opener, there will be main openers you use, but then you can also customize the openers based on this framework for each training you send out. Okay. And then do, do you by any chance have any uh, specific uh, KPIs you look at in terms of uh, like percentage of those people who of actually- Yep. who actually that you expect to set like so the opening the response rate is always the hardest to measure because it's based on the warmth of the lead so if, for example a brand new friend on facebook is a colder lead so it's hard to give you a ballpark on exactly what these should be across the board but let's say you're going to aim for 30 percent response rate to that not to the email question because most people are going to respond to that to the opening question 30 percent minimum that's that's if you're messaging a new friend if you're messaging a new group member if you're messaging someone who requested a training and you're opening a conversation at least 30 of the conversation. So conversation is classified as such. Once someone's responded, we're now in a conversation. We want at least 10% of those to be showed up strategy sessions, right? So we send a hundred messages, 30 people respond. We want at least to be three showed up strategy sessions. Now, of course, then it's like, do you have two calls and one call? You've got a triage call. If there's that, the show up rate for that, there's the show up rate for the sales call, but you want at least one in 10 of those conversations to be showing up to a strategy session. 
Now, obviously over time, what, what happens is you send a hundred messages. So 70 people don't respond. Those people are still a part of the pipeline. So the next time you release a training, you can also message those people. Of the 27 that don't book, but do respond, those people are also part of the pipeline. So when I'm saying those percentages, I'm kind of thinking about it in like a three-day timeline. Over time, we should be booking way more of those people into calls. If we're messaging a lot of the right people, those 27 people that responded, let's say 10 or 15 of those might become calls over the next 12 months if we follow up well. And that's the piece that's really important is that most people optimize for lead volume rather than lead efficiency. But here's what's so crazy. I was just on a call with, with Peter's crew uh, an hour ago. And what I told them was really crazy when I think about across my email list and Instagram and Facebook, I have around 7,500 active audience members. I've made seven and a half million dollars from seven and a half thousand people. So it's a thousand dollars per follower. I got there by being really efficient with it, by being really good at follow-up, by being really good at posting content, sending people messages, staying in touch with people. And that's everything from past clients that I've worked with, staying in their work, staying in their world, following up, building a relationship, making sure that I'm always top of mind for whenever they need help in the future. It's messaging people who didn't respond to my initial message. It's messaging people who responded, but never booked a call, booked a call, but never showed, booked a call, uh, showed up, but didn't buy. That's where the lead efficiency thing has become so, so important because otherwise you get to where most coaches are, where you build funnel, funnels where leads either buy or die. And so then the name of the game is just, I need to spend more money on ads to get more people into my funnel. But that's such an inefficient way to scale a business. Because then you have all of these people that, that could be buying later, but instead of buying later, you're just focused on the people who are trying to buy now, which means you just have to spend more and more money to acquire more eyeballs and get more leads to get more people to book now because you're being short-sighted rather than playing the long game. I totally understand that one because that's pretty much what we do because we we mainly run Instagram ads and we, we honestly, our follow-up probably does suck because we just focus on new leads and just closing those people. So, uh, okay, then you, for your follow-up, do you like have like a set amount? Like, you know, like after seven touch points, you're like, okay, uh, let it go. Or do you like keep going after that? Yeah, that's a great question. That is so dependent on your stomach for following up. So I have never been one to follow up a lot when ghosted. Like if someone hasn't responded to me in two messages, I personally don't message them. But then I know really savage salespeople that will follow up all day and send gifts and call and whatever else. And the sale might eventually be made. It comes down to time allocation right? Because if you have all of these leads, are you better off messaging the person who has ignored you six times or messaging the person you haven't heard from in three days that's ignored you once? And that's where time and energy is just a really big key is that I don't think there's a set amount of follow-ups you should commit to doing. I think it's more about allocating the right time and energy to the hottest leads. So if you think about when you open your inbox in the morning, there should be, and this is why messenger CRMs are so key, is because if you can allocate your time and energy towards the best leads and then move from hottest to coldest with the time that you have left, it actually becomes easy to then figure out where I need to be spending my time. So if you open your messages, the first messages you respond to are people who have responded to you since you were last in Messenger. The next group is like people who should have responded but didn't. And so you might just say like, hey, bumping this up in your inbox, are you alive? Just making sure you saw this, all that kind of stuff. And then kind of moving through the hottest to coldest pipeline like that. And then with whatever time and energy you have left, what you want to be doing is if you have an appointment sitter, for example, that is sitting around twiddling their thumbs, it's better that they message the person the seventh time than they do nothing at all. Yeah. And that's how I think about that. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome, brother. Nick, by the way, do you go by Nick or Nicholas? I know it says Nicholas uh, there. Either's fine. I don't, cool. it doesn't bother me. Either. So it's funny because like you kind of talked about just then the exact thing that I'm struggling with. It's like I get heaps of lead gen, um, but lead nurture sucks and I, I struggle to convert them. Um, so 
what I'm what I'm wanting to I'm just trying to bounce some ideas back and forth here. I'm really just struggling at the moment on like obviously I work with uh, clients for weight loss is really just uh, honing down and zeroing in on a specific niche and be able to speaking to like someone's core identity, mm-hmm. uh, like someone in particular. Because I feel like my content's just very generic and it talks to a whole lot of people, but it doesn't really talk to anyone. I think that's one of the reasons why I really struggle to. I get lots of leads coming in, but like yeah. my nurture, they're not they're not being warmed up through my content to win. Like I get them on a sales call or try and sell them. They're you know they're not ready, hot to go then and there. So it's like. How can I, um, I've really got like three or four kind of niches that I'm kind of thinking of, but like, how do I really pick one? Does that make sense? It does make sense. So, so firstly, you want to divorce the idea that there's the perfect niche. Yeah. And, and when you do, when you when you do that, it, it gives you a lot of freedom to understand that there is no necessarily right answer. Now, in my experience, there's probably a right answer for you, right? Which is really important to start thinking about. So before I ask you any more questions, what is your gut saying? Like, is there a niche that you're leaning towards in terms of, one that you you feel you want to go to, one that you're gravitating so towards? I used to work exclusively with women. I don't do that anymore. God tells me like, if I'm if I'm like thinking of two different types of people, it's like the people that I've helped the, the most and, and the people that I like working with are like mums and dads and also to people who are maybe a little bit older, maybe like, you know, mid to late 50s who have struggled mm-hmm. with yo-yo dieting their whole life and have gotten them to lose weight. So those are probably like the two that I've liked working with the most. Obviously, how I work with them is completely the same. Like they'd still go through the exact same process. I'd coach them pretty much exactly the same, but the marketing message would be completely different for both. And that's where I'm kind of struggling at the moment because I feel like I'm talking to no one. Yep, of course, which is what you want to go away from for sure. So a couple of ways that I think about it, I was extremely close to niching down to just men end of last year. Like I'm talking like I was about to set up the boys club of boys clubs because I looked at all of the clients that ever worked with and it was 95% men. And I was like, why am I running ads to men and women? Why don't I just run them to men? And what happened re- was really interesting is I w- I've been on this huge kind of inner work healing journey over the last year. And the more healthy I became as a human being, the more I spoke to women, right? And so now it's about 75, 25. It's not uncommon to look at uh, our calls and have 25% women on there. So that's not to say there's not power in men or women, but what you do want to think about is in your current state, in your current season, do you have a specific gender and or type of person that you're leaning towards in terms of who you most naturally like interacting with, who you most naturally speak to? So not a hypothetical, Real question for you, who, who could that be? Do you equally speak to men or women? Like, who do you feel like you connect with the most? Honestly, I feel like because I've talked to females for so long, I, I understand them a bit better because like I've, been, I've worked with them so much. So I like understand them a bit deeper, but also with, with the males too is um, I haven't worked with many clients over the last couple of years, but every single one of the male clients I've worked with have been, they've been all awesome and all had fantastic results. So it's like, that's where the kind of the split is like, yeah, I could probably, I probably understand them a bit better and I can talk to them a bit easier because I've dealt with them for so long. But at the same time, I've also had fantastic clients that are men. And I still do, do pretty well with them too. Like I've been getting more and more male clients lately to the point where I'm working with about a third of men now where it used to be like 99% females and only one male here and there. Yep. Does that answer your totally. question? Yeah, yeah, totally. So you might not then have a gut sense or a, a, a right direction around gender. So then if you think about stage of life, obviously you're talking about um, older in life, 
parents, things like that. So the next direction you could go in, are you a parent yourself? Yeah, I've got two kids. Yeah, perfect. So the next direction you could go in is just parents, right? I help busy parents lose weight, awesome, unique mechanism, right? Mm -hmm. So you could be thinking about it from that perspective where over time you might have a clear gender that you end up working with, but more accurately, you might just find that there's a current situation that you help people in and a current aspiration you help them move towards. Because if you think about parents, they're time poor, they're energy poor, they're looking for the easiest solution, the biggest bang for their buck with the least amount of effort. So that becomes a really clear niche when you start talking about a, a workout exercise routine that only takes 20 minutes a day how to create meals that you can also eat around your kids without being antisocial. Whatever whatever that might look like for you, that could be the next iteration is that I just help busy parents lose weight. And that could be the, the thing that you focus on in your marketing and your sales. It's not about from this moment forward, crystallizing this really clear niche in such a way that you are now going from speaking to a million people to speaking to 10,000. That might happen over time. And I'm constantly iterating that myself, but at least that gives you a better direction to start creating better quality content to speaking to those people because you now have a specific set of problems and aspirations that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's been the exact problem. Like I just haven't like spoken to anyone. The only thing I had was... Uh, it's probably not even true at all. But the only kind of thing I was worried about with mums and dads is I just kind of felt like busy mums and dads. I just kind of thought it was like just so broad that would have, but I guess that's probably not really an issue at all, is it? I mean, it's broad in the sense of that there's a lot of them, but it's still a niche. Yeah. I'm still talking. Yeah, I get it. I can still talk to a specific person. Yeah. Like this, this is going to. This is where niching is so important to understand. Yes, I think you need to speak to people's problems and aspirations. The best niche is you. You are like your, you, your story, your experiences, your values create a much more powerful niche than a Facebook ads agency who helps chiropractors get leads. That's our layer. The best layer is when you become the only type of person who does this because of your unique story and experience and values. So for me, I'm not trying to go, I help business coaches who are at 20K a month get to 50K a month through XYZ model and then just continue to niche down further and further on like, I help business coaches with $10,000 offers do this. I could do that. The easiest niche though is when I just start sharing more of my personality and more of my values and more of my convictions because I start to weed out all of the people I don't work on to work with anyway. So I have I have a quote that I just shared with Peter's crew before that I heard on Tim Ferriss's podcast that I love is don't be the best, be the only. And you do that through doubling down on you, sharing your hobbies, sharing your story, sharing the stuff you love to do outside of your of your business. And so when you do that, it's so much easier to connect with busy parents because you are a busy parent, right? Mm -hmm. But that only becomes powerful when you start to share more of who you are, not just what you know. Got it. And the thing is like the thing, the content that always hits the best is when I'm sharing stuff about being a dad. 100% which makes complete cool. sense. Yeah. So that I would go done. in that direction. Busy parents, share more of who you are and then iterate over time, be a scientist, figure out what's working, what's not, move towards more of what's working and just continue to refine over time. And then number three would just be like really patient with yourself. Give yourself give yourself a break. There's no perfect niche. There's no perfect one-liner that's going to bring in your dream clients. You'll get clearer over time and through that through action, it'll precede the clarity and so you'll be able to iterate as you go. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, brother. Jordan. Yo, what's going on? So I have a question. You went over a little bit of it uh, with Jay already when it comes to like messaging and things like that. So a lot of the stuff that I've been doing at the moment has been a mixture of inbound, but also a lot of it has been outbound just because I'm kind of going in a new direction. So I'm trying to build an audience of agency owners who I'm targeting. Mm -hmm. And usually the way I go about Anyway, about anyway, um, when I was doing outreach, when it comes to like out, uh, like outbound specifically, which is like trying to find 
Uh, this is what I did with the agency. Like trying to find inefficiencies in their current way of doing things. Uh, but when it comes to like mindset, I'm kind of struggling to bring that up in conversation because with the people I speak to have leads problems, cause problems, you know, all the things you talk about. So it's like, for me, I'm just tr- struggling with, I guess, like getting them on that, the call. Does your mindset suck? That's, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? I so it. that's kind yeah, of like, yeah. So are you talking specifically around setting script or content or both? Yeah, kind of a mixture of both. Like when it comes to content, I think it's I think it's much easier because I think with this thing that I'm doing, it's very, like when I look at other people who are doing this, very, very content heavy. Like you look at Quasi, for example, mm-hmm. massive YouTube channel because it takes so much shifting beliefs to see that leads are not the problem. You're the problem. You're right. You're right. Your mindset's the problem, yeah. which is the thing, right? So it's yes. like, the content is okay, but when it comes to setting scripts, it's like inbound would probably be fine because if they're coming from content, then that belief has already been shifted. But without bonus, different. Yeah. So you want to come back to this idea that the thing you absolutely must avoid at all costs is jumping on calls with people who don't know what you do. That's the first piece is that whether it is pre-setting and they've consumed content, or whether it's post-setting and pre-call, they've consumed mm-hmm. content. Yeah. Right. That's a must. Otherwise, you're spending time convincing people why yeah. they should work with you. And so you want to eliminate that. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is if you use the script I talked about before, going from easiest to hardest, and literally just acted as if you're a business coach, that yeah. would still work a hundred percent. Because you don't have to use setting to educate people around mindset and around mm-hmm. what you do with identity shifting. That is the power of the pre-video call that you send them. Yeah. So literally, if you just, if you spoke exactly like a business coach in the DMs, firstly, they're going to see your Instagram, they're going to see your Facebook, and they're going to see your content. They're going to quickly get a sense that you help people in a unique way. Your video mm-hmm. pre-call is going to help them do that. So you, you've got someone to a call and what you know is they're stuck, they're here, they want to get to here. And now the call is about how they can use your method to grow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't have to isolate that problem in the chat because the problem they think they have and the problem they really have is two different things. So if you ask them about their mindset, it might not even occur to them that their mindset is the issue. And that's fine because that's not what setting is about. Setting people is not not about educating people. It's about identifying a problem that you can solve. Mm, Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the way I was taught setting before from this other thing that I was in was you have to find all the problems in the DMs and it was kind of this weird way of doing it. Uh, I suppose it made sense when it came to agency stuff, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, like, like, so ask them what, what kind of goal they're trying to hit. Do they need help with that? It's uh, literally that. Yeah. The exact same. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause okay. your, your value proposition is I will help you grow your business by becoming a better human. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, do you want to become a better human? Because you already know they want to grow their business. So then the way that you educate them in between the set and the sales call is that pre-call video that educates them on this unique way. Now you've got to do a freaking good job of convincing them that actually the reason they're stuck is their identity, but that doesn't mean that has to happen in the DMs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think people overcomplicate DMs all the time, right? The DM is the only job of the DMs is to sell the call. We're not selling them on us, on our method, on our... um, program, we're simply setting the call. That's all we're doing. In between the set and the call, we've got to educate them. And then on the call, we sell them on the program. But the job of the set is so, like, you need to just think about like this. Setting is so easy. Mm -hmm. There is no lack of people who have problems and want help solving them, right? The set is so easy, dude. So when you you indoctrinate yourself like I have, and and eventually you'll get to a point where I, for me, getting clients is so easy, right? Mm But when you isolate the parts of what client acquisition is, it all feels easier when you realize it's all just helping people identify the problem or or clarify the problem because they 
They might already know the problem. You're just isolating it and then helping them take the best next step for them. That's all sales is. It becomes so empowering to realize that each part of the sales process has a different purpose. It becomes super complicated when we try to do all the purposes in one part of the sales call. Sorry, one part of the sales process. But it becomes way lighter when you realize that the job of content is to develop interest and engagement and awareness. The, de- the goal of setting is to sell the call. The goal of the pre-call video is to sell your mechanism. And the goal of the sales call is to sell the offer. Mm-hmm. When you break it down like that, every part becomes way simpler because you're not having to do all things all at once. No, that's yeah, I definitely had a massive breakthrough there. I've <laughs> just been overcomplicating it for sure. So yeah, appreciate you, Dan, as always. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. I'm excited to see how this rolls out for you. Matt, what's up, dude? Hey, man. Hey, Jordan. I don't know if um, this helps at all, but we we work with agencies as well um, and have been for like the last six or seven years. Totally echo everything Dan said. Um, I'm not sure if it'd be helpful, but there's like a little tactical thing that I do to get people to realize that it's mindset versus leads. I don't know if that would be helpful for you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Um, so like Dan said, like sell the call. And, and the thing that I always think is you sell them what they want and you give them what they need, right? So we get them on the call, we do the education piece, but the reason I'm sharing this is because I still was able to give people that realization even before we had any content. So we never used to send any like videos or anything to anyone. It was like, jump on a call. If you're qualified, jump on another call and that was it. And we probably like were losing loads of sales, but we still managed to make sales. And the way that I always do it is I get them to list out all their problems. And then I'll say, cool. So we talked about all the external stuff that's keeping you stuck. In my experience working with agency owners over the last six years, that's the 20%. The 80% is the internal. So I'm curious, what are some of the internal things that might be keeping you stuck right now? And they either respond to that and just go, and then you've got your gold and that's what you spend most of the conversation talking about, or they don't and they deny that there's no internal stuff, which disqualifies from working on the program. Because if they can't, if they don't have that ability to introspect and actually be like, oh yeah, this might be coming up for me, like I get in my own way or confidence or you know, I'm not charging enough or whatever, then they're not coachable, right? Yeah, that's fantastic, man. I appreciate you sharing that because that, is that an exercise you do with them pretty much on the call, like at the beginning of the call? Is yeah, amazing. on the sales call, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's and again, fantastic. this is, this is assuming that. they've already yeah. consumed content, already watched the video. Yeah. And if at that yeah. point, they're like, I just need more leads, you're like, yeah. you, you don't get it at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't emphasize enough. Sales is hard when you have to convince people of things they don't believe. It's much easier when you're working with someone's beliefs versus against them. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be objections and obstacles because someone can believe they need to invest in themselves. They need this system to grow their business, but they don't know if their wife is on board. They don't know if they have enough money. That's an obstacle. That is not a belief issue. It doesn't mean that they're not bought in. It means you have to help them problem solve. But damned if I will ever jump on a call with someone and try and convince them they should use content to get clients right? You need to already understand that. So when when I think back to what we were doing with Facebook groups, the prerequisite was they had to believe Facebook groups were the right move for their business. Through our evidence, through our clients' evidence, we were never going to spend time convincing them on a sales call why they should use a Facebook group. That was what our marketing was for. I'll never forget, last thing I'll say on this, and then we'll jump over to you, Harry, is I'll never forget being uh, live with Gary V a few weeks ago, a few years ago, sorry. And he was speaking at a event in Auckland, New Zealand. And someone was talking about how they have this amazing organic chicken food brand. And they asked the question, how do I convert people who don't believe organic is the right way to believing organic is the best way to eat food? And he said, I never try to convince anyone of anything. 
I'm always trying to speak to the converted. And I just think that's such a powerful belief because it doesn't mean your marketing won't convert people. It means you're not trying to spend your energy taking people who don't care and trying to get them to care. You might be able to do that as a byproduct of great marketing, but that's not where your energy is focused. So focus your energy on the true believers, on the people that already see this as a problem through your content, through your marketing, you've educated them. And then just simply get on a call and see if your program and your offer, your service is the right thing for them. Cool. Matt, um, you sorry, had a question, Dad, I did right? just have a quick, yeah, I did yeah, have yeah, a quick perfect. question, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, this, I don't know if you, this is a bit of an annoying question for a coach, <laughs> but like I'm finding myself being quite distracted and unfocused at the moment Um, in terms of like, I've got a lot of things going on, launching a podcast, doing more talks, yada, yada, yada. And some days I'm just like, shit, I just got nothing done today just because mm -hmm. I started jumping from one thing to the other. Is there a way that you decide kind of like what you're working on what you're going to prioritize on what you're going to go a bit deep on yes versus what you're just going to like give to other people great question so when it comes to focusing i always come back to uh trying to understand is it a vision and goals problem or is it a legitimate focus problem so for you is it is there any part of you that's feeling unmotivated or undriven or unfocused on the the goal you're trying to achieve Nope. Cool. So now that we've got a compelling future we're trying to work towards, which is the most important key whenever someone's feeling distracted is sometimes they just don't want it bad enough, is really starting to prioritize based on need. So not everything has to solve a problem. Sometimes you can do things for fun. That's totally fine. You just need to be truthful with yourself. This is not going to move the needle on the business. Or if it does, that's a bonus. I'm doing it because I want to do it. But more often than not, we are trying to move the needle in the business, which then comes down to priority. And so I always think about it from that framework that I got from Alex Sharfin of five core functions, right? Lead gen, lead nurture, conversion, delivery, retention, resell, and upsell. So whenever I look at a business and they're saying like, what do I need to do to grow? We look at those five buckets of things. Are you not getting enough leads? Are you not doing a good enough job with them of warming them up? Are you not converting the warmed leads? Are you not delivering to the level you need to, to then eventually retain clients and resell and upsell? And if you give yourself a score out of five for those areas, five being crushing it, one being miserable, you firstly want to look at what are the lowest numbers earliest on in that function. So for example, if delivery is at a three and lead gen's at a three, and those are the lowest numbers, I'd focus on lead gen first because you can improve delivery all day, but it won't actually move the needle on the growth of your business. And so that's the first thing I'd think about. Under lead gen, you might have 20 great ideas that uh, could that could move the, the needle on lead gen. So how I think about this is I can only slay one dragon at a time. So at any point, I always have so many ideas. Like, like right now with community, with, with what we have going here, I legitimately have about 40 things I want to implement to make this thing better. So what I then need to do is figure out what is now and what is later and what is not a good idea that that can be in the way future category, if if in the category at all. And then I give myself to the stuff that I believe is going to solve the problem fastest and move the needle furthest. So for example, like I was, I was making a list the other day and I was thinking of all of these different things that I could do for the community. One of them I'm going to institute in the next couple of months is monthly reports. Right. So giving people an opportunity to give feedback every month on where the business is at, what how the community can be better, what they need, where they need support, et cetera. That's a good idea. It's just not a now idea. I, I don't think that's the bottleneck for getting people results faster. What I realized is if I can take our curriculum and I can simplify it and I can make it easier to find resources. So we're going to create a notion dashboard where you 
every, every document that you need is one click away. We're going to create cheat sheets for every area. So rather than needing to go through multiple content docs, we're going to create a one page daily and weekly checklist for people to be on track with their content. If I do that, that actually solves real problems I'm seeing on these calls right away. And so you have to be really okay with your yeses and your noes. And sometimes the no's are not, this is not a good idea. Sometimes the no is, it's a not now idea. And this is where focus becomes hard because you have to say no to things that sound amazing, that sound exciting, that sound like things you really want to do. But that if you're honest with yourself, aren't the things that are going to move the needle and solve the problem fastest. So when you think about your business right now, if we're just to bring this really straightforward on the ground, real for you. What are the things you're doing right now that are, if you were to be honest, good ideas, but not now ideas? And what are the things that you're neglecting that you need to spend more time on slaying that dragon? Yeah, well, what's interesting as you were talking there is I think what's coming up for me is there's so much focus on growth in terms of like getting your revenue up, doing all these things that it scares me to just chill out for a bit and sit at like 30 to 40K a month. And I think what I really need to do is exactly what you just said, is just basically make our program better and mm -hmm. create cheat sheets, make the content better. We're building like a little backend dashboard, monthly metrics. Just so at the point, I've got 20 clients now where they're all crushing it as much as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. And then I think I would have like significantly more confidence. Like I almost feel like I could then just turn on the lead gen switch. I yeah. feel like I've got enough processes and partnerships and things in place that if I just went out there and pushed really hard, I could probably do three or four big talks. Um, and like Peter was saying, like have one of those days where you get 2000 followers or whatever. like I have yeah. the contacts and I have the ability to do that. I think I'm just holding back a little bit because I'm not fully confident in the scalability of my program. Basically yeah. when I step away and when we bring our coach in, our client's still crushing it. So I think, yeah, What's coming up for me is like, that's probably what I need to focus on. But there's so much talk in the market and in groups and stuff about, oh, now at 50K, now at 100K. And I'm like, yeah. shit, I should be over yeah. here, like smashing and, my And revenue. this is where it's so important to slow down and really figure out what season am I in. So I just turned off marketing and sales for community uh, a week ago. And whether or not I keep with this open, close, launch style model for forever, I'm not sure. But here's what happened the moment I turn that off. I, I'm still getting leads every day for the community. I'm not even messaging them back right now. I should probably be messaging them like, hey, there's a wait list, you know, sign up to the wait list, but I'm not even doing that. I'm directing all of my energy towards making the community better. So at a hundred members, the community is epic. It's better, not worse. What happens is when we don't have offer confidence, we actually undermine ourselves in our marketing and sales efforts. We're jumping on a sales call and you're not confident in your offer. You can say all the right things, but the energy is off because you're still wondering if this person actually says yes, whether or not they're going to get the results. And that's why it's so important to play our own game in our own lane and tune out the noise of what everyone else is doing who are in different seasons to us. Because if someone has a great offer and they can just scale it and add more people, I mean, and let's be honest, most people disregard that altogether, ignore the success of their clients and just get more clients. You actually have to tune out that noise in order to play your own game and stay in your own lane because you're in a season. And in the season you're in, there are things that are important to you personally with your own life, with your own energy, with your own state of being. And there are also things true of your business that if you don't solve them, if you don't fix them, all you're doing is creating that, that, that sense of the chocolate covered turd. The thing that looks amazing on the outside that once you get into it is, is not very good. And what happens is bad reputation compounds faster than good reputation. 
right? So if you don't solve that and you focus all on the growth, what's going to happen is you could have some amazing months, 100%. You get some cash in the bank, but what happened is you will undermine your confidence even further because you're adding more people into a bad product. And the second thing is you're really hurting your longevity in this industry because you're just going to push more bad reputation out into the market rather than taking a slower approach, which is a boring approach, which is a hard approach, but you're playing a longer game. And so I think like it takes so much restraint to look at your business and say, there's so many things that I can do right now that I'm choosing not to do in honor of the one thing that I know I need to do. Now, here's what's really important as well. You have to have the wisdom to understand when good enough is good enough. Because if all you focused on in the next six months was just making your, your client uh, program amazing, you could get to the point of diminishing returns where you're making your program 1% better. And instead of sustaining cash flow. And instead of growing into the vision that you have for your business, you're now over here tinkering, like wasting time trying to make the program 1% better and 1% better. You're actually abdicating responsibility to fill the program with fresh, fresh blood, fill the business with fresh cash so you can sustain the message and sustain the mission that you're on in the first place. And this is the balance and the spinning of plates that's so hard as entrepreneurs. That's why we want to look at data and we want to look at things like five core functions. And we want to ask ourselves about the seasons so we can be as wise as we possibly can be with our limited time, energy, and attention. Yeah, I love that, man. Uh, that was really useful. I think but like something that's kind of clicked in my head, I think we've got like 22 clients now, a couple are coming to finish. I think just up until the new year, limit on like 20 clients or 25 clients or whatever. And just until January... Just double down and set that as a timeline. Of, this is where I want to get the program to as a baseline. Yeah. And then just making sure that um, we're measuring everything. Like it's got to be on client results, right? It's got to be on average increase in revenue, average level of satisfaction, number of days work. The things that they're saying they want, we just got to measure those. And then once they're up at like a standard where I think that's good, then cool. Then we can grow and scale, right? Yeah, 100%, dude. And this is the yeah. boring work that's so hard because it's mm. way more fun to have the week that Peter's had where he's enrolled 20 clients in seven days. It's way more boring to create client cheat sheets. There's way yeah. less dopamine in it. So what you have to choose is what vision you're actually working for. And that's the really hard thing that separates good entrepreneurs from the best entrepreneurs is their ability to hold off on the quick dopamine that feels good in honor of doing the right thing, even when it's boring. That's a soundbite right there. That's your next the way, reel, I've man. Got my cam I've, got <laughs> my cam I've got my camera rolling right now. So this is all content, man. It's yeah, how I'm pumping absolutely. out. We're, we're about to ramp up in like 10 days to four YouTube videos a week. And it's just through stuff like this. Yeah, nice, man. Dan, yeah. I've got to jump on another call, but useful as cool. always. Please. By the way, do we have um, a call today? No, we've got to call another day. No, no, no. Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Looking forward to um, another. I don't know what get back numbers to your you need as well. for these calls, but yeah, no, I don't know what numbers you need for these calls, but I like, really appreciate, like this would get me sticking in the community all day long. This is like, great. This is, just, this is a great yeah, number. Yeah. This is a great number. Yeah, There's yeah. no magic number other than we jump on a call and no one's there or no one asks questions. So if people are here, people are getting value, then I'll keep doing these calls. Awesome, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate cool. you. See you, brother. All right, Harry, See we'll jump to you and then we'll wrap up with you, Jay. Cool. Thank you. Um, Great to have yeah, you here, to... brother. By the way, real quick, <laughs> yeah. sorry to interrupt. How was your anniversary yeah. trip? It looked amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really good. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, we went to um, Montenegro and Croatia, done, done a two. And um, yeah, amazing. They're both quite, quite similar, but Montenegro is very... Um, very untouched you know it's like you know when tourists starts to go places you know you start to lose the authentic nature of like a place but Mon mm -hmm. montenegro is like still very untouched you know so it doesn't have that doesn't feel too modern yeah so so it's really really nice 
Um, and then we went across to Dubrovnik in Croatia for a couple of days. I've and, heard um, so many good things about Dubrovnik. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Beautiful country, beautiful people, food, culture. You know, you can't ask for much more, really, from that sort of okay. place. So. Amazing. If you haven't already met Peter, uh, who's right next to you on my Zoom, um, Peter is based in Croatia. I was literally just oh, okay. on with his clients like uh, an hour ago, and uh, they were having to translate my really bad Kiwi English. Um, but I've heard so many good things about Dubrovnik, man. It sounds amazing. Um, but yeah, it's great. So, but yeah, anyway, my, my questions, two, two very quick ones. Um, the first one is when you were speaking earlier about the, the pre-sales call video, right. That mm -hmm. kind of like, uh, convinces people of like your mechanism. Well, well, what, so I've had a, sorry, we've had some people in our DMS who are adamant that the model they're following, right? So I do high ticket, right? So, yeah. but they're adamant that, you know, low ticket or, or, or membership or whatever it is, right? They're, they're adamant that that's what they want to do. That's what they want to pursue. Mm -hmm. What do you do with those types of leads? Is that something that you're going to try to convince in a sense, like through a Great pre sales with video through something else? Are you mm -hmm. going to let them go? Like, what do you, would you normally do with those types of leads? Yeah. So if they're in the DMs, I would still move them towards a, a sales call, right? Like, so if they're like, I really want to do low ticket your job is to present evidence in the video as to why this is better than low ticket, right? Or different, yeah. right? Because it's pros and cons. Like I have friends that make multiple six figures a month off $79 a month offers, right? Yeah. That's really hard for the average person, which is why yeah. then you start bringing in the argument of like, here are the benefits of high ticket versus low ticket and why you would consider high ticket versus low ticket. The biggest thing you're looking for is, especially as a business coach is, are they here and want to get to here? You help them make more money. You in the DMs don't have to figure out uh, are they 100% on board with this idea, right? But one of the things I will say is you want your marketing to do a great job of speaking to the converted. So it's much easier for you to attract people who already believe that high ticket is the way to go, or at least are really open to it, like adding a high ticket into yeah. their low ticket business. Then you are trying to attract low ticket people and convince them that high ticket is the path. So it's a both mm -hmm. and over time, what you want to be doing is like, if you think about you've got limited time and energy, right? So assuming you don't want to infinitely scale with setters and closes and have freaking 10 people working for you in the next 12 months, then what happens is you have a hundred leads, right? 30 of them are low ticket and don't want to go high ticket. 70 of them are really open to high ticket. You've got limited time and energy over time. You then just prioritize the best quality leads based on their openness to try what it is you're doing. But in the meantime, mm -hmm. you absolutely can work with people who are closed minded to that given that they're going to watch a video that at least hopefully opens them to that, right? Yeah. And the opening might be, you can add in a high ticket offer as well, not you have to burn your whole current business to the ground. Yeah, got it. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, the the second quick question then was, I was considering doing like a cash campaign, like a price rise or, or something soon. And I was wondering, with any leads you've had who have either like had a sales call previously or they're in a DMs that may be on the fence, do you have any process for like messaging those people when you're doing that cash campaign to let them know, like, I'm doing a price rise. Like, are you interested? Like, is, is there any sort of process you have there? Or? Of course, bro. So a couple of things. Uh, let me just find some documents for you right now. Do, do, do. Yeah, we're good. Um, so I dropped one the other day. Th there'll be a couple of double ups here. Uh, there's one here, yep. examples of, uh, so I just dropped that notion doc in here. And um, as you can see down the bottom here, so there's like, so if you scroll through, there's cash campaigns, how to do it, public promotion examples, yep. um, and then social proof, and then uh, private examples like messaging people as well. How you want to think about it, if I share this one other script, reach out scripts, is how you deal with it is firstly, you figure out what bucket are they in, right? Cold, warm, hot. 
So if you think about strangers you've never messaged versus current clients for referrals, they exist on the cold, warm, hot. But then also past clients, right? That you might not have talked to them in six months, 12 months. So they've gone colder. Based on their level of warmth and your current relationship with the person, you either go indirect or direct. Indirect is like, we start a conversation that is not about the offer that is going to move towards the offer. Hey, just yeah. saw you had an amazing holiday. Looks incredible. How did you find it? I just came back from Croatia. It was incredible if you haven't checked it out, right? Indirect, mm -hmm. start a conversation, open, open up the connection. Direct is like, you can be obviously really direct around like, what would it be? A, what would it need to look like to be a no-brainer to work for this? And kind of examples mm -hmm. around this. So I'll share both in the chat. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, yes, and and no, a little bit. I mean, yes, it does because I can use that to reach out, especially like the mm -hmm. lean direct and that direct, the, the one you just shared. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking like, if I was to do like a a, a price rise, because I've got people who have said to me, you know, on sales calls, let's say within the last month or two months, to you know that like they're very interested, maybe they need to get some more cash together before they can do something, blah blah blah, so on the, the usual kind of things. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm thinking, is there any use in me being very direct and reaching out and saying, you know, hey, um, just a heads up before we go public with it, you know, we're planning a price rise in the program. Would love to work with you. Just want to see if you're still open to getting something locked in for the future or, you know, it's, I'm not sure if you would recommend yeah, that's anything great. like that. No, I'm that's great. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Again, level of warmth, right? So if someone had a call yeah. with you a year ago, more indirect, if they had a call with you recently, just go direct. And I think like, like mm. the direct path, is the simplest, meaning you don't have to overcomplicate it. If they're warmth, mm. it means you don't have to have the perfect script. You just need to communicate really clearly and from a place that you're not trying to get them to do anything they don't want to do. You're just simply trying to yeah. help them take the next step. So if you do a post, for example, that has all the details of your offer, you can just say like, hey, I know you've been on the fence about working with us. We're just about to increase our price and have made some changes to the program. Would you like me to send over some more info? So you can do that and send the post. Uh, yeah. Follow up. Have, do you have any questions around this? You know, would love to get you in if you, if it feels like the right fit. Or you can move towards a call. You can simply say like, I can I can uh, walk you through some of the changes or some of the details on a call if that's helpful. As the price is going up by X amount in this many days, no pressure. Just let me know. And the more detached you feel from it, but the more clearly you communicate, the better the vibe of the sales conversation. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that, that answers that for me. Thank cool. you. Did you have a second question? Or was that the, was that both of them? That that kind of was it. Yeah, it's kind of those. Cool. That those two combined. So happy yeah, to help, man. You. Let me know if you have any other questions. Jay, last question. Let's go. All right. Um, I just got a, uh, two of them. Um, the first one uh, is, what do you say um, inside the DMs when someone like asks, like, how much is it? Like, once you ask them, like, yeah, like you, you want to do the call, and then they ask, like, how much is it going to be? Like, mm -hmm. what do you? How do you uh, handle that? Yeah, so I don't tell them the price because price outside of value is just an expense. So the example I use is years ago, I remember my wife buying a pram for like 500 bucks and I was like, whoa, like 500 bucks is so much for a pram. And then a week later, I spent $1,500 on a chest freezer to turn into a plunge pool because it wasn't about the money for me. It was about the, the lack of value I saw in a $500 pram versus a $1,500 freaking epic cold plunge. And so when you give people the price outside of the context of value, it's so hard for them to understand like, is $1,000 cheap for a car or is it expensive? Depends what the car is. Depends the state of the car. It's super cheap for a Lamborghini. It's incredibly expensive for a car that has no registration, no warrant of fitness and doesn't run. And so I never just give the price outright because it does the person I'm telling the price to a disservice. Now, in the DMs, obviously I give them the price, but at the context of all the value. 
So whenever I, whenever I come across that, you, you can either say something like, um, you know, happy to chat more about it. Obviously there's um, a number of details I can walk you through around the offer. Do you have a few minutes to chat about it now? Or, and then you book a call. You can also say something like, we have a number of different uh, packages depending on people's budgets and needs. So there's no black and white answer to that. Um, you know, when would work for us to chat more about it? I'm more than happy to walk you through it. So it's not about being evasive. It's just about moving towards a call in a way that's going to help that person the most. Love it. I love it. Um, and then the next one I was going to ask is like, uh, so I've done a lot of influencer marketing because mm -hmm. so a little bit of my background is I've also like, I grew my e-commerce stores um, pretty successfully and I was all influencer marketing. And then I got into like the online and that's all through Instagram as well. And then I got in my online courses um, and I did the same thing with influencer marketing and Instagram ads. Um, so with those things, I didn't have to be so specific in terms of like my niche and stuff. Um, Cause I, I just pretty much target, honestly, like anyone who wanted to make more money. If Humans. I'm being yeah, honest, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. 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 And, it, and I still did pretty well. Um, so I was wondering like with this, uh, how do I go about it? Because when I did the launch with Les Brown, most, most of his audience was motivational speakers. So that's who I literally um, focused on. And then I did another influencer launch with another woman and her audience was entrepreneurs and they both converted. And then, but I'm just thinking like, which niche should I go with the most um, out of those two people? Or should I just try to make, because my offer is like helping um, people start their online courses. So not like directly, like if you're already a coach, but it's yeah. like helping you become like a course creator and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess it's really around like, how do I go about just like deciding? Um, yeah, that yeah. So niche. in the past, or when you think about the present with the people you're working with now, who are the people that get the most success? Are they already entrepreneurial? Are they everyday people? Yeah. So I did, I did this exercise that I, I've done before where I would do that, where I like, I list my top five clients um, and the results that they've got it. And what were the attributes? They were actually entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Um, that that's pretty much it. The only reason why I was thinking about motivational speakers because I was thinking, like, okay, that's a niche that's untapped. Everybody's yeah. targeting coaches. Everybody's targeting nine to fivers. So I was like, motivational speakers is completely untapped. And I know we're working with less. Like the biggest challenge they have is consistent income yeah. um, because of doing a speaking gig. So I thought that was a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, but then. So let me, let me ask a follow-up question. So like when you say entrepreneurs, are they people that typically run brick and mortar stores? Are they already doing stuff online? Are you helping people go from offline to online? Like, what does that look like? So my top client, um, he was, he was an Amazon seller mm -hmm. um, already. And then my second client, uh, she owns tax businesses. So it's mm -hmm. like, there's a few brick and mortars and there's a yeah. few online entrepreneurs. Yeah. So that's where it's like, ah, which one do I go with? And I know yeah. entrepreneurs itself is just too broad. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you want to you want to zoom out and think about the aspiration mostly, which is you're trying to target people who want to monetize their expertise online through a course. So that that's a niche in and of itself because not everyone has that aspiration. I think you can play around with the entrepreneurial niche. I think if you can get specific around the type of entrepreneur, like even even just say like if you're a successful entrepreneur and you're looking to educate people online taking what you, what's worked for you and helping other people just like where you were through an online course, like that's a, that's, that's a niche, right? It doesn't always have to be as specific, especially because you're already experiencing success with it. It doesn't always have to be as specific as I help chiropractors launch an online course. You can go with the motivational side. What you're doing is already working, right? So I would maybe just focus more on the aspiration 
and talk about successful, like looking to scale your business by launching an online education side to what it is you do. That that's some messaging that I think could work really well. That still speaks to a specific audience because now it's not entrepreneurs; it's entrepreneurs who are looking to launch an online education business or an online course business. Okay. And then do you think? Because one thing I was doing, I was literally, I was thinking to myself, should I actually say course? Because I feel like it may be daunting to people, or should I like literally just say like digital products? Um, With both, because okay. I don't think there's a right answer. Because there are people who know, like if you think about um. Like a great example, I don't know if they still do this, so this this search might come up empty, but let me just look at this real quick. All right, here we go. These guys here. Do you know who these guys are? Yeah, Tony Robbins and Dean. Yeah. So their whole thing, I don't I'm trying to find uh their messaging here because I I've never been to this before. I've seen some of their ads. Their messaging seems like very broad. Um Okay, yeah. So this is super broad. But where they started was they made millions and millions and millions through helping people start online courses. So mastermind.com was set up your own mastermind. So obviously it's gone broader than that now, but it works in terms of like, you're an expert, you have a story, you have experience, you've gotten results for yourself or other people. And now you're looking to take it to the next level by bolting an online course or an online mastermind onto your business. So I think I would just play around with both. I don't think this is a case of right answer or wrong answer. I think you'll just test and see what resonates with the most. Okay. And I, I had a few ads where I was calling out, like if you're not, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur and you're doing X amount, you think that that's, I know a lot of people are starting to do those ads um, as well too. Um, and they, they get better quality for us. Uh, I know it's a little cheesy, but it does get better quality in terms of people who can afford our products. Do you know what so, I, I, I the, the, the caution I would give you brother? Yeah. I think you're, I think you're overthinking this. Like you're, 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 you're preceding your questions with this has worked for us, but I don't know if we should do it. Yeah. I guess it's because I like, I use influencers marketing. So I was like backed behind influencers in my mind. Mm -hmm. It's like, I had an edge because I had, I worked with these other personal brand influencers and I sold to their audience and they came, they brought me in um, to sell to their audience. So it was yeah. like, you know, that's why you had that success. Like now it's like, I, I think that's part of it, but clearly your messaging has worked. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. overthink it. I wouldn't try and burn it to the ground and start something new. I would just really just refine over time, be a scientist with this, test things, optimize, see what works. Everything works, brother. Like you could okay. say digital products, you could crush it with that. You could say courses, you could crush it with that. Your goal is to just test messaging and see what resonates with the most. So someone asked me yesterday, how did I come up with the new era model? Because it's awesome. It's what got me to buy, resonated with so deeply. I tested a bunch of stuff. It took me six months to come up with the new era model. I tried lots of different things, right? And the answer was I stuck with the thing that seemed to resonate with the most of most people I was trying to reach. Okay. And then with your content, are you specifically like talking to that niche and like making multiple tests? Like some content pieces is to motivational speakers. Some is like to literally like uh, entrepreneurs. I, I would I would test one at a time. So okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't do one video and say, I mean, obviously you can split test ads at the same time. You can totally do that. But in terms yeah. of actual content, I wouldn't go from one to the other. I would I would stick with this six-figure expert, the six-figure entrepreneur who wants to launch a, take their expertise and package it into an online digital product. And I would run with that for a few weeks and see what works and what doesn't. And then I would iterate. Ads, you can split test really easy. Content is much harder because you'll gain audience and lose audience because that video was for me. And all of a sudden he's talking to motivational speakers, but I'm a six-figure tax attorney. I don't know how that works. So you just want to stick with one for a while to kind of see what resonates. Okay. And then 
The last thing I was going to ask, let me real quickly, because I know we're over time. Um, so I love how your model is, um, how I've done it or how we have it now. And I want to transition to what you do. But my model is like we charge $19.97 and then we give like a 60 day free trial for like live calls and then community. Mm-hmm. And then it's $47 a month. So how would I go about switching that to like, OK, now instead of doing that, making it like higher ticket and it's like every 16 weeks to be a part of the community. Yeah. So, so it's as simple as what you just said, right? So it's like, let's say you move to a 16 week model and it says four grand, three grand, something like that. And then people just pay that monthly amount to stick within the coaching and, and things like that. So you, you really want to reframe the value. Okay. If right now the value is just in the curriculum that is, and of course that's diminishing value over time, because if I paid two grand to get access to the course, the course is never updated and never gets any better. And the course is 80% of the value and the coaching is 20%. And that's how you see it. Then obviously the value of them sticking around is not going to be them paying the same monthly amount over time, right? Because they've already got most of the value up front. What you want to transition to if you want to get recurring revenue is have a community where the value is being a part of it because content is being updated. Community calls is where you get the support. The community group is where you constantly can interact, sharing wins, sharing lessons, asking questions. When you emphasize that piece, that's the piece that people are happy to pay for long-term as opposed to continuing to pay for a course they already got in the first week that's never updated. So it's a business model question as opposed to just a value perception. If you're only wanting to do the model of the course is the course and it's never updated and it's never changed and there's a little bit of value in the community, then yeah, you're going to have to charge lower ticket to have people want to keep paying for the community. But if you want to replicate what I'm doing, right? You want to make immense value in a community that's constantly getting better and you get to be a part of it along for the ride. Alrighty, brother. Thank you so much. I don't want to hold you anymore. I'm so, I'm so glad that it was helpful, brother. And thanks for sticking around till 1.50 AM. (laughs) I'm about to go knock out now. (laughs) Yeah. All right, man. Peace out. Sending you love. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Scale School. I hope you found something valuable in today's episode. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and do that so you can be notified every time we drop future episodes. And if you and I have not already connected, feel free to track me down on any one of the social media platforms. My big head and smiling face are no doubt going to be there. And you can just search my name, Dan Bolton, and we can connect there. But thank you again for tuning in and I'll see you in a future episode.